welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. Today we're going to talk about extreme thinking or also known as dichotomous thinking or black and white thinking. But we're we're only going to talk about that for a few minutes um, because what I really want to talk about is how can we help the poor um, and discuss the population without becoming um, eugenics-minded uh, and you know going off on the wrong road. So what we're going to talk about is empowering women through family planning. But when you when you use dichotomous thinking, like many people seem to do, that can be a hot topic. So when I was writing the blog about uh, family planning and birth control and stuff, that was when I started to realize how hard it is to talk about certain subjects because some people are extreme in their thinking. And I used to be one of those people. So I want to address the black and white thinking, dichotomous thinking before we go into the family planning. So family plan, I mean, dichotomous thinking is, is such thinking that you think that there is only one way of thinking about something. And because of that, it tends to make people intolerant and also afraid of people who think differently than them. And it makes people less compassionate and it also is self-limiting and it, it can make you very judgmental of your own self and very judgmental of other people. And it can make you a bad listener because you're unwilling to listen when someone's trying to explain why they think the way they do. And it can make you um, impulsive, make impulsive decisions like quitting a job, breaking up relationships, um, deciding that someone is your enemy and, um, other important life decisions that can affect you for the rest of your life, simply because you were unwilling to consider that there may be another way of looking at something. And I think that, um, that this is actually something that we develop as a self-defense mechanism. And we, we develop this extreme way of trying to understand the world as a coping strategy. It's not that, it's not that we are bad people, evil people, because we're, you know, however, it, when it comes out in this intolerant type of talking and posting online and you know, it can, from the outside world, it looks like we're a bad person. It looks like, wow, that person is so close-minded and they're so intolerant and they're so um, unwilling to even consider that there might be another point of view. And they don't, and they are actually being a little bit intolerant their own selves because they're not understanding where we're coming from. So, 
really, it's very important for people who consider themselves extremely open-minded to realize that even they may have a blind spot if they are uh, judging people who are less open-minded. Because the people who are not so open-minded, there's usually a reason they're like that. So let's describe it a little bit better. Um, um, black and white thinking is, it, it's extreme thoughts. And it, it actually causes people um, great distress when someone disagrees with them about something. So if, if I say, you know, Texas is the greatest state in the world. Well, that's obviously an opinion. And it's okay for me to have that opinion. But if I say the Civil War was fought over states' rights, and someone else says, well, yeah, the right to slavery, if I'm unwilling to have a discussion about how we're both right, and I just want to dogmatically, you know, hang on my state's rights argument and refuse to, to, to admit that the South did want to keep slavery. <laughs> you know, I mean, so you can see that that is a polarizing topic right there, right? And so like in my episode about abortion, I'm sure some people probably didn't like that I, that I had some differing opinions. And, and that's because those people are having a little trouble seeing a little that there are some complicated things going on when it comes to abortion rights and rights and women's rights. And so black and white thinking can get you in trouble with your relationships and, <clears throat> and other things. So as I have been working on myself and also some of my kids have been going through different processes of working through things they learned as children from growing up with two parents. Uh, I would say one, I would say my husband's uh, black and white thinking is much more pronounced than mine. And I think I kind of learned some of that, some of that from him, but I think I was very susceptible to it because I uh, am a bit of a control freak myself in the fact that I want to feel safe. So by having, you know, extreme beliefs and, you know, my way is the, or is the only way type of thinking, then I felt safe, like, okay, you're doing the right thing. So my kids grew up with this idea that there's only one right way for a lot of different things in life. And we did not, my husband and I, you know, we weren't trying to be bad parents. This was just our, a coping mechanism that we developed as children growing up with some chaos in our lives. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a genetic thing. I don't know. People who have anxiety tend to have more trouble seeing nuance or the gray areas and, and, and trouble dealing with them because they want to feel safe. And actually healing your anxiety is part of that is learning to accept that there are things in the middle. <laughs> 
and learning to accept that everything is not always black and white and that that's okay. And learning to not be afraid of the unknown or the um, only partially known. You know, um, when you when you have a strong need to be in control of your life, then it can it can lead to this black and white thinking. So, as you can see, it can be a result of trauma. It can be a result of a genetic tendency towards anxiety. It can be um, also associated with certain um, things like obsessive compulsive disorder. And I hate to use I hate to use labels um, like narcissism and and obsessive compulsive disorder and things like that, depression, because really to me, those are all symptoms. They're not actually a diagnosis. So if you can fix the thinking patterns, then you're no longer going to be a, an obsessive compulsive person. However, that one is very difficult to treat as is narcissism. Narcissism, once it gets, you know, entrenched in your behavior patterns. And I really think that that's a field that deserves a whole lot more study. However, they, they have found that certain cognitive behavioral therapies are very effective in dealing with black and white thinking. And this article on Healthline gives some ideas to help you Um, become a more um, flexible thinker. It says, try to separate what you do from who you are. When we equate our performance on a single metric with our overall worth as human beings, we're going to be very vulnerable to black and white thinking. And I see that all the time. I see people who definitely equate what they do and how well they do it with their value as a human being. And that's because that's probably what they were told as children. They were told that what they do um, is a measure of if they are worth, if they deserve to live or not. I mean, it's, it's really um, part of the, the way the world thinks, right? Is we're pretty much based are judged on what we do, not our value as, as being made in the image of God, humans made in the image of God. So if you have black and white thinking, then you're going to probably judge yourself very harshly. That means you're, you're at risk of becoming a perfectionist because if you don't do everything just right, then you're going to feel very unsafe and uncomfortable Because your sense of self, your very existence is tied up in if you make straight A's or if you do everything right every day. And you can see how dangerous that type of thinking can be. And I think that's why we have such a high suicide rate right now with children is that that a lot of children, thanks to social media, have become... Um, set in this black and white type of thinking, extremely judgmental and performance-based. So 
one of the things I do when I'm talking with someone is to, if they're experiencing great anxiety about failing, fear of failing something, or what if, what if something goes wrong? I try to remind them that even if the worst case scenario happens, it is not the end of the world. Life goes on. You can try again. As long as you don't quit, there's still hope. And if people, you know, and I had to learn this myself, that it's okay to make mistakes. And that is, that is like one way to help you get away from black and white, black and white thinking, because part of black and white thinking is thinking that you have to know the right information, the right answer. You have to know, and that like K-N-O-W, knowing things kind of becomes an idol and getting it right and, and, uh, making sure that other people know that, you know, <laughs> they can become a bit of a, a trap for people. So if you are overly concerned with knowing the right answer and, and in a world where that feels very chaotic, it's kind of, and, and if, if you are prone to anxiety already, when things like COVID happen or, uh, you lose your job or maybe a relationship breaks up or someone important to you dies or, you know, the price of everything goes up and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. If you have black, black and white thinking, you can experience some extreme anxiety. And that's why having faith in God is so important because then you can trust that God has it all under control and that even when things look crazy, somehow it might take time, God is going to work it out. And that has been so important for me in dealing with my need to be in control, my fear of the unknown, my fear, my anxiety is I have to breathe in and literally like in my mind, I'm handing it over. I'm reaching my hands out, open hands and saying, here, God, take this need to be in control, this need to know what's going to happen next, because, you know, it's a burden. So when you feel like that, the reason that talking to other people about it is so helpful is number one, you get it out of your brain and out into the space. So it's like, if you just are just sitting there obsessing over it in your mind, it, it grows and grows and grows and becomes very powerful. But the minute that you speak it out loud to someone who can help you um, discuss it and someone who isn't going to, you know, make it worse, then you can diffuse the power of those fears and it's the same way with the black and white thinking. If you will allow yourself to talk to someone else with a different um, perspective, and if you can let your guard down just a little bit, open your mind just a little bit, you don't have to change your opinion. You don't have to change your beliefs, but you can at least um, be willing to 
admit that there are different opinions and that the people who have them are not bad people. This, this is a very, um, it's a, it's part of growing up and realizing that other people have different opinions and different experiences and different perspectives on things. It's very important. It doesn't mean, like I said, that you have to change your beliefs. And I urge you not to change your beliefs unless you really change your belief. Don't just mimic what other people are saying. And, and that is kind of a risk for people with black and white thinking is if there's someone that they like a lot and that person has a different opinion than them or different belief about something, it can be tempting for people with black and white thinking to change their belief in order to go along with that person because otherwise they might have to put them in the enemy category. But but that's wrong. It's okay if you and your friend disagree. Your friend can have a different belief than you and you can still like them. And, you know, it depends, of course, if it's something that is very important to you. And if it's something like you feel like is like uh, immoral and you don't want to associate with people who are doing immoral things, then then by all means, stop hanging out with those people. And, And so that's the thing with black and white thinking is that you still you have to make judgment calls. But but they need to be based on real knowledge, not just something that you created in your mind. And that's the thing about black and white thinking is that you, you should practice the habit of looking more into things that you don't really know if you know all the facts, because if you have a really strong opinion on something, you have to ask yourself, do I really know if I'm right about this? And that's true also when it comes to faith is if you've been, if you were raised a Christian, but you don't really know Jesus for yourself, then it can be very easy for you to just toss that aside. If all your friends don't believe in Jesus. So you really need to get to know Jesus for yourself before you do that before, you know, it's, you have to make your faith your own. And that is also part of maturity. So I think you get the idea about the black and white thinking. So let's move on to family planning. So why, why was I looking into family planning? Well, the fact is that many people in the climate agenda world, the people out there who are talking about the environment and net zero. And and that's a lot of people, right? Um, One of their real issues is they believe that the world is overpopulated. So if you look into that, you will find a lot of opinions. And on the conservative side, a lot of people will just automatically um, assume that any talk of family planning or birth control for third world countries and the poor simply wants to, you know, get rid of people. And it's like, um, it's seen as, 
eugenics or, um, you know, oppressing the poor. And, you know, I, I believe that myself until I started actually researching it. For example, Bill Gates is, is, is famous for going into Africa and offering people birth control, you know, offering the women birth control and vaccines and all that and saying that he thinks it's a good idea for the poor to limit their family size and also he's trying to, <coughs> excuse me, get them all vaccinated and he says that he's doing it because if you have fewer children, your, your chances of not being poor are much greater. Well, the thing is, he's right about that. He is right. The people in third world countries are not like the poor in America. So it's not like some of the things that have happened in America where um, we obviously in America, Planned Parenthood is famously aborting many, many black babies and also poor white babies and Mexican babies. And, you know, so if you look at abort, if you look at family planning only through the limited black and white lens of abortion, then you're not even in, going to research and find out if, is there more to it? Well, I, one day I decided I wanted to find out, is there more to this? And I discovered that some really interesting things. One was that, did you know that up until only 50 years ago, and remember, I'm 57. <laughs> so 50 years ago was within my lifetime. Up until then, birth control pills were not even available if you were not married. So if you just now automatically thought to yourself, well, they shouldn't be because, you know, single women should not be getting birth control. Well, you may not realize that the birth control pill is actually also used as a hormone treatment for women who have, or young girls who have excessive bleeding from very, all kinds of uh, hormonal imbalances. So they weren't even, they didn't even want to use it for that. But the thing is, <clears throat> when it comes to black and white thinking, <clears throat> we all know <laughs> that even though we say that you should not have sex before marriage that the vast majority of us do have sex before marriage. And if we don't want young girls to be getting abortions, then we need to give them access to birth control and boys too. So it's a, it's a difference between the ideal and the reality. And the reality is a lot of young girls thought that they could not get pregnant the first time they had sex, but they did. And then they went and had an abortion. If they, if they had had, you know, better information about their bodies and access to condoms or other things, then, then that would have, that abortion would not have been needed. 
So that's one point I want to make. So, so for 50 years ago, they did make birth control pills available to unmarried women, but it was still very stigmatized. And so I, I think we don't realize that in other countries, it's still like that. Women cannot get birth control pills without a great stigma. And therefore, there's a lot of women, and some of them are even married, but they don't, they're not ready to have kids yet. And I mean, now, let me just say one caveat. I don't like birth control pills. They made me feel sick. And they make a lot of women feel sick and they can cause weight gain and they can cause mood changes like anger. And the birth control pill is not the perfect option. Actually, I really think that using a condom to prevent pregnancy is much cheaper and safer and has a lot less side effects. So I just want to say that. But some people have no problem with taking birth control pills. And if they want to take them, then that's their business. And that, that's another thing we, we need to talk about with this black and white thinking is the, uh, the idea that we think that we know what's best for everyone and that we have the right to make that a legal requirement. Well, you know, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. If we, if we want real freedom, we have to let people make decisions for themselves. And you can only do that if you give them the full information. And that means that in these third world countries, if we want them to develop and be um, like America, we have to help them think like Americans. And that means thinking with, you know, freedom, freedom minded. And that means that they need to allow women to have the freedom to control their own fertility. And so that is why after much research, and reading about what's actually happening in developing countries, I now I'm on the side of providing family planning and even free birth control of all different types. And I really think it's a good idea to give them condoms. But of course, the big pharma wants them to take the pill. And the, some of the eugenics people, yes, they want to get them sterilized. So eugenics is a whole nother topic. I've already made a podcast on that. Eugenics is terrible. And I am not advocating for that. I am, what I'm advocating for is giving women and children that live in extreme poverty or even just not even poverty, but giving women in these countries around the world who do not currently have the freedom or the information that they need they don't know how their bodies work. They do not understand the female hormone cycle. They don't know the physical signs that can that women can use for natural family planning to tell when they are fertile, if they want to abstain from just having, you know, abstain from having sex during their fertile period, which is not 100% foolproof, but it works sometimes. Um, you know, if they understood how their bodies work, and if we could get the men in those countries on board with this, um, and we also have to change the male attitude that thinks that, that ha you know, getting women pregnant and not taking care of their children is some kind of a macho thing. 
you know, proof of masculinity. And so we just have to remember that third world countries and developing nations, whatever you want to call them, they are not in the same place culturally or informationally that we are. And I'm, I'm running out of time here because my timer is going to run out at 30 minutes. But I just want to say I am not leaving out values. I totally believe that we should teach children to wait until they're married. But we should also teach little girls about their bodies. And, and so they're not ashamed of their bodies. And this also kind of, you know, helps women to understand why they're feeling the way they do. We can remove superstitious beliefs about, you know, women being possessed and other things. And, and I'm talking especially about Africa, but India and other countries, Muslim countries, they all, women need to know these things and men need to know these things. Let's demystify the human body and bring these countries into uh, Christianity and which Christianity has given women more rights than any other change in society. So thanks for listening and sorry if this was a little quick, but I, I hope it was something and I hope it makes you think. So give up the black and white thinking and do your research for on controversial subjects yourself and then decide what you believe but give other people the freedom that you want to think for themselves and you can still be their friend. So thanks again for listening. Check out my blog, www.blueskiesandgreenpastures.com. And I'm also on Telegram and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. So thanks for listening. Take care.